We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cooper, I just, I have a feeling that he's a lot like Braylon Edwards was. Like, That's such a ridiculous overstatement. He is so much he's so much better than Braylon Edwards ever dreamed. Cooper, he dropped a lot of balls. He has all the talent in the world in terms of physical attributes. What's up, Roto Grinders fam? Welcome to week eight of the absolutely epic early week podcast. I am your host, JM to win. I am hanging out with two of my favorite people in the industry, Mr. Grant Niefer and Mr. Bobby Firestone. Bobby, how you doing? Not bad, man. I appreciate the nice intro. Um, not a great football weekend for me. I had some other stuff, so fortunately didn't play too big. I don't know that it would have helped me had I uh, spread it out. But yeah, man, just uh, happy NBA is back. Enjoying that. That's off to a good start. So really like uh, ready to kill it this next week in football because I need to – I had – Three good weeks and then a couple bad ones to follow it. And I just want to get that like winning flavor back in my mouth because the games themselves are so awful. Uh, Bobby, what is it going to take to get you on the cash game train? Uh, just probably a little more logic than I'm willing to allow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes me so sad every time we come on. And, and I mean, you told me right before the show that if you had switched Martavis Bryant or if you hadn't switched Juju Smith-Schuster to Martavis Bryant, you would have cashed in most of these tournaments that you did not cash in, which means you would have cashed in double ups. So yeah, I definitely would. Yeah, it's a good idea for me to start doing that. I think it definitely makes some sense. Uh, it does. I will say it does. It can mess with tourney thought process at times. You got to really separate the two. But uh, Grant and I will continue to peer pressure you into making money with cash games. Please do. Uh, Grant, do you have an off-the-cuff Grant's rant for us to kick off the week? I mean, I don't know if it's off-the-cuff because I, <laughs> I texted both of you on, what was that, Friday night or Saturday night? I don't know. Which one was it? I don't know. It was a night when you were out 
drinking, so Friday or Saturday night. Friday. Uh, no, that was Friday night then. I was uh, at football season. I'm a good little boy on Saturday nights sometimes, but I just one of the weird weirdest things in the world. I order an Uber and I get in there and all I see is the guy doing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this guy's either pissed off or on a ton of cocaine right now. I don't know what to do. And then he's like, oh, just got a just got a message back from from Uber headquarters. I'm like, oh gosh, is he getting fired? Am I gonna get am I gonna get kidnapped? It's like, yeah. So just driving along, and you know, people are in the back seat, and then they start doing mouse stuff on each other, like just dropping it casually, and then. He goes on and just explains the entire story. I'm like, oh, so that's the weirdest thing you ever had? No, just a few weeks ago, I was in an Uber driving, driving this girl back. Some, something's up in the back seat, and all of a sudden, she just jumps out of the car while I'm on the freeway. And I'm like, oh, oh, so you saw someone? No, I went back. She was entirely fine. Going 60 on the freeway. Cops came and picked her up. I made sure everything was good. Apparently, she was high on PCP. Who, who hops in an Uber on PCP? Like, I, I just, I don't understand a whole lot of things, but he had, like, four of those stories that are just ridiculous, and I don't understand the weird things people do in Uber, even though I've done some weird things in Uber. It's like, U- Grant's Uber rants is now what this segment is each week. I had, speaking of that, I had a guy uh, a few months ago who spent the entire drive telling me about the passenger who accused him of hitting someone with his car <laughs> and that that he was uh, no, he was no longer driving for Lyft he was only driving for Uber because Lyft had disabled his driver account because a, a passenger complained that he had hit a human being with his car while the passenger was in the back seat and driven off oh my god that's crazy I don't know if it, I don't know if it actually happened or not. He was adamant that it had not, but it seemed like. Uh, and then when I asked him why someone would make up that story, he said, "Hey, a lot of people out there are on drugs." <laughs> so there you Me go. Me and Grant, and we were in Denver for that final. I might have said this one already, but <laughs> we had a girl who just came come from her husband's funeral who died a few days earlier, right, Grant? Yeah, that was that was a real. I don't remember if you told that one on air or not, or if you just told me. But that was the craziest and most sad story ever yeah it's, it's no good i don't need to repeat it then i probably did <laughs> um, we can jump over to uh to some football probably i mean we can probably jump over to some football uh actually we do have punishment to dole out so the last week was tight end week and kyle rudolph Versus Hunter Henry versus George Kittle. I know you guys are convinced that Kittle was not a good play. I still strongly disagree. Uh, first off, you had a guy who'd had, what, eight targets inside the 10-yard line or in the red zone in the previous two weeks. Secondly, as Levitan put it, the shower narrative that Bethard and Kittle had surely showered together for four years as teammates and roommates. I mean, you can't top that camaraderie, but it did not work out. Thankfully, I didn't play much of him, but I did lose our bold calls, which means that Grant has some tweets for me. So, Grant, what do you have? Well, some of these I came up with on my own. Some of these I needed help with from my buddy, which seems to be every single Monday if I haven't prepared anything. Uh, I just end up texting him, and some of them are absolutely terrible, and some of them are pretty darn good. But I guess I'm glad I'm going to have options at least. 
I'll just read all the ones that I have on my list. Um, just got a second tattoo. It's a tiny butterfly on the small of my back. Hashtag equality. Hashtag I ain't no tramp. Um, second one, vegans are the worst. Anyone who decides not me- to eat meat is dead to me. Eat my meat, <laughs> betches. Hashtag spastic colon life. Um, this, is, this Halloween I will be dressing up as a slutty nurse. I will offer free checkups on the local street corner. See you there, big boys. <laughs> Um, and then, does anyone need to wipe after every fart? Hashtag butt fumble. Are any of those like, ter- are any of those any good? Are any of those terrible? Yes, uh, I'll take the. What was the first one? Um, gosh, I, don't, I can't open my phone because my hands are too sweaty because we're in a heat wave here. Crazy. Open it up. Just got my second tattoo. It's a tiny butterfly on the small of my back. Hashtag equality. Hashtag I ain't no tramp. Yeah, I'll go with that one. Don't want to tweet about. Um, I, I was trying to go with the opposite on the vegan thing, since you made me tweet. Yeah, about no, I got vegan. that. Uh, I the these are reminding me of there's one last year that I tweeted, and uh, I'm in a group chat each week with uh, Jeff L. Hefe and Adam Levitan and Evan Silva, and Evan screenshotted it and just sent it to us and said, "WTF." question mark and i said i lost a bet on my podcast and he said uh well either way i'm going to tweet this out to all of my followers and i feel like this one is that level of bad that this is something that'll gain some traction no matter what but i will accept my punishment and tweet about my tramp stamp well you can put a e e w p after it uh, or I can retweet it with the please listen to the absolutely epic early week yeah. podcast disclaimer. That's a smart move. That's what we'll do from now on. No more retweeting like eight things afterwards, Bobby, or putting absolutely epic that's early week podcast at the end. I know you're waiting. That's what he said to do. Yeah, I've been watching. No, that's what, that's what JM No, I didn't. Said I said we said we couldn't do that. That's what JM just said to do. Huh? No, I'm talking about how he can quote his tweet afterwards, but you go and tweet like eight different re- retweet and eight yeah, random some, things right afterwards, so no one ever sees it. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure, every single time. I know your ways, Bobby. Live I'm with your shame like right I do now. every I'm single day. Are you guys actually experiencing a heat wave? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like 100 degrees at like oh, 6 o'clock. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, World Series. Hashtag World Series. Uh, Hashtag World Series. Let's go Dodgers. Hashtag be bleed blue. Uh, the first games are in Houston, right? No. They're in LA? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. hopefully it cools off before tomorrow night. Wow, that's tomorrow night. That's awesome. Uh, last last question before we get to football. Bobby, you going to any games? Uh, definitely going to try and go to some. We're trying to figure it out right now. I have a commitment to something tomorrow, but I'm going to try and figure out a way to go to at least one. Right on. Uh, pro tip, wait until... What are the tickets selling for? What's that? What's that? What are the tickets selling for? They're about 1000 They've lowered a little bit since the Yankees for the cheapest seats in the whole stadium. Uh, since the Yankees are not there anymore, like not a threat anymore when it was 3-2, it was really bad. It's starting to drop a little bit. But like for regular seats, it's like a, a few grand. Uh, pro tip, wait until around 1 p.m. the day of the game and buy them on StubHub. Uh, wait until 20 minutes beforehand and stand in the stadium and buy them from StubHub. 
Well, there you go. But the the I think there's a certain time of day that StubHub cuts it off. Whatever time of day that is, buy them shortly before that. I did that uh, a couple years ago when the Red Sox were in St. Louis and got box seats like three rows back, uh, third base side for like 300 or something. Just waiting till the day of the game. Uh, enough of that, though. Let's talk about football. Uh, hopefully, most of you skipped the first 10 minutes. And welcome to the Absolutely Epic Early Week Podcast, where we talk about football. So, we have eight topics that we're going to go through, and then we'll touch on the game that's standing out to each of us the most at the front end of the week. So, we have uh, five topics that are a little more in-depth, and then we'll hit the last three pretty quickly and uh, a lot of interesting games this week. I don't know how much you guys have been able to dig in today, but a lot of good offensive spots. I mean, I made these notes for myself. Uh, Washington's offense versus Dallas, Buffalo's offense versus Oakland, Carolina at Tampa Bay, San Francisco at Philadelphia, Philadelphia versus San Francisco, the Chargers at New England, Cincinnati versus Indianapolis. Just a lot more to work with this week than we had last week with all those low total games. Um, so the first thing I want to talk to you guys about, and I'm sure I know Grant's answer, but how are we viewing the Patriots defense after their game against Atlanta? Do we think Atlanta is just that broken? Do we think that the Patriots are improving on defense? Um, basically it boils down to how confident are you in loading up on chargers in this game? Grant, naturally I'll go to you first on this one. Oh gosh, I am I am just all on board of loading up on char- Chargers. I mean, regardless, every single game they seem to stay in or stay close. They've obviously got a great offense. Uh, you have Keenan Allen, who I think has the second most targets in the entire league. You have a New England defense that forces a lot of targets over to the running back and to the tight end. So I don't think I'm going to go with Ty- Tyrell Williams or Travis Benjamin, but I think Henry Allen and uh, what's his name, Gordon, are all heavily in play. Like, the implied team total, I think, for them is still, what, 23 right now at this point. Um, And I'm guessing it's going to go up as the week goes on. Uh, I think that Atlanta, I mean, they've just looked terrible week in and week out every single week. I mean, at least from what I've seen on offense. And, I mean, New England's offense or defense is better than people thought at the beginning of the season. But, I mean, even last year, I think they were number one in scoring, but they were still middle of the pack in terms of allowing yards on a week-by-week basis. They just happen to not give up a lot of points. Uh, I think that this is going to be a spot where Rivers goes ham, um, Gordon goes ham, and Allen goes ham, and Henry goes ham. And Bobby, how much ham are you seeing in this game this weekend? To answer the question about their defense, I do think that they're, they're talented, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's not like they don't have talented players, so they can put it together. Sometimes that can just happen for one game at a time, but that's a tough enough test. And I don't think Atlanta, as as much as I think they are somewhat broken, I don't think that they're so broken to where we can't actually give them some credit there. Uh, but I do think this Chargers team is just a better team than people think. And I think the real thing is the Chargers defense is actually better than a lot of people, a lot of people give credit to. And I don't know if it matters against New England because they're so good offensively. But if that's the case, I like the Chargers to stay in the game, so I have to like the Chargers. Yeah, I think we could, I mean, we could probably spend an hour breaking this down every which way. Uh, I'm basically on board with everything you guys said. My my thought is similar in that 
even if the Patriots are, have improved on defense, there's still going to be a lot of yards, probably a lot of points. Bobby, you made a good point about the Chargers being a good team. Uh, I was talking today with someone about how that, you know, if not for those missed field goals in the Chargers' first two games, we're looking at a 5-2 and two team. Grant, I think you brought that up last week as well. And the they also brought that up last year when it happened for like eight games. It happened yeah, and then, with the Chargers, so we get used to it. But they, the truth is they play close games. So when you see a seven-and-a-half-point spread against them, it's unlikely. Like, they just they lose every game by three points or less. That's how they do it. Yeah, and the narrative around them, the the public perception – would be completely different if their record said five and two, you know, and all that would be different is that they hit a couple field goals and just the perception would be so different. I do think that the uh, big discussion for me is how effective the Patriots offense will be against the Chargers defense, because I think the Patriots defense is good enough that they could hold the Chargers down if the Chargers hold the Patriots down, as in, I don't think that the Patriots score Let's say the Patriots somehow score only 14 points, right? I don't think that the Chargers then go out and score 28 or 31. I think that we're looking at a situation where we need the Patriots to put up points because their defense kind of softens up throughout the game. We've seen that several times this year. We saw it when Jameis Winston put up really usable fantasy stats but didn't do anything until the fourth quarter. Uh, so I think that that's kind of where the discussion has to go. For me, I said it when the Patriots played the Jets earlier this year, and the, you know, the, starting to realize the Jets' defense was better than we thought. But the Patriots are kind of matchup proof, so I'm on board with targeting the Chargers. Uh, I'm interested to see where the public sentiment lands on this, given that uh, you know the Patriots have looked better on defense lately. People don't love targeting the Chargers. If we can get the Chargers at low ownership then it's an absolute smash. It's uh, It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out this week. Uh, that also brings us to the next topic, which is the Falcons' offense and the Jets' defense. So how bad are the Chargers? Uh, I mean, how bad are the Falcons? How usable is the Falcons' offense? Uh, Julio saw something like five red zone targets last night or Sunday night after – only seeing one all season. So obviously that's encouraging. Uh, Let's say we all have interest in Julio, Devontae Freeman. Um, They're always good plays. Outside of them, is there anything that we actually want to target on the Falcons or are we just playing things safe right now and staying away? Bobby, what are your thoughts on this Falcons offense? Uh, It depends on the ownership because I I think you just go right back to them. I mean, I think Julio Jones is one of the better plays of the week. This is not a bad – we're not going to give up on an offense this quickly. The problem they made in the early games they played this year, which is so hilarious that they did the obvious overcorrection from the Super Bowl, and they have played, they, they literally tried to grind it out, so they almost blew that first game against Chicago. Then they almost blew that game against Detroit, where they had the lead, and they literally were just letting it go by trying to run out the clock, which didn't work. It didn't work with a 17-0 lead against Miami. They, that's most of their, their problems this year. And then with Buffalo, I think they thought they could, could control the game. They tried to play a little, little bit of a slower tempo. They don't they are capable as ever. So this is the time to jump on if people aren't going to be there. I still think people are smart enough to figure it out, but I'm going to be, a, I'll, as of right now, I think they make for like a great, great stack. Like I'm all about Ryan, I'm all about Julio, and I don't mind any of the other peripheral pieces either. Even with Sanu coming back, I don't mind Sanu. Bobby, bringing the heat with the, bringing the heat with the analysis of game flow. I really like that. The, um, the concern for me is 
how good is this offense? And, you know, you say that whatever you said about them, you know, still being good and all that. Like, think about how disappointing Matt Ryan was until last year. All the talk was coming into last year, everyone thinks Matt Ryan's elite, but look, he's never finished as a top eight quarterback or whatever all the numbers were. I mean, he he'd never had an actual elite season. He has all the tools, but are we certain that he wasn't just a product of finally fully grasping that Kyle Shanahan scheme? Or, I mean, is he somebody who can succeed with a completely different set of play calling? I, I mean, that's kind of my concern. I don't know that I have the answer, but I'm definitely a little more timid about going back to them on a week with a ton to like than, than you seem to be. Um, Grant, what are your thoughts? And then, Bobby, I'll go back to you to close this out on this one. I mean, that I'm kind of on the same page with you. Uh, he was never really that great of a quarterback. He's definitely a good quarterback, but you look at all his stats in prior seasons, and if you look in depth into him, like before last season, he had over 600 attempts every single season for the five seasons before that. He never put up as many yards as he did last season on those many attempts. So his average yards per attempt went up like 25%, I want to say, 30%. Something ridiculous like that, which is not really... It's not sustainable, for one. So their offense is clearly not as good as it was last year. So it's figuring out if he's actually made that much of a leap from the prior years. I think he is slightly better than he was in prior years, but not by much. I mean, like, just every single thing regressed in a... Every single aspect of his entire... All the stats regressed in a positive direction um, all across the board. So I don't think... Like, he's going to regress more towards his career mean this year. It's still good. What 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 did I just hear? Goal for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> um, I don't know Sorry what I said to say other than he'll probably be above an above-average quarterback. He's not even going to be close near the top. And there's a few good pieces in this offense. And I'm not going to entirely stay away from it. Um, I'll probably use some Freeman. I'm probably not going to use much Jones because people are going to be on him because what happened last week and him getting what 13 14 targets so i i think freeman's in play and then the other ones i'm just gonna stay away from uh bobby did we pull you on board with us or you have a counterpoint to make i didn't realize my argument was whether matt ryan was a good quarterback or not when i started talking like i was just talking about what their offense is capable of doing and julio jones that should be extremely encouraging why wouldn't he be one of the top plays the only reason why he wouldn't be is that i like their running game in this one like i think that they there's a lot of like things to like all around and I have no problem with any piece of their offense I don't know that I'm gonna like overload on them but I have no as of like Monday which it is right now um I have like a ton of interest if people aren't going to be interested that's why I said it's going to depend a lot on ownership because the potential is so there and I can't say that for a lot of these other offenses because they haven't shown it this year either it's not like there's a bunch of elite offenses to choose from it seems like so many good spots but there's really like two good spots Ah, I'll beg to differ on that one. There's a lot of elite offenses on the board that elite have shown offenses? it. Elite offenses? There's, like, no elite offenses in the NFL. Um, if you're putting Atlanta as an elite offense, there's a plenty. I'm not. I'm saying they have the potential to be. Uh, so one I mean, one final note on it uh, that before we move on is just I will point out that the Jets rank 30th in situation neutral pace of play and actually 30th in overall pace of play, even though they've trailed some. Uh, in fact, when they've been down by seven plus points, they rank 31st in pace of play in that scenario. So uh, the Jets' entire offense is geared toward just shortening the game as much as they can. And I do think that that's another thing 
that is at least worth noting, especially with Atlanta running in the bottom half of the league in pace of play. Um, again, yeah, I mean, I think that obviously Julio is a good play, and we could talk about the game theory on whether or not to play him. Devontae Freeman's a good play. I think that that's as, as deep as I'll go on calling anything a good play myself. Um, I certainly see you know the other argument, but that's kind of where I'm at on, on this one. Um, next one that's really interesting is Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree against Buffalo. And there's still this struggle to figure out if Buffalo's defense is good, if they're mediocre, if they're bad, just because they had a, a run of really good matchups to start the year. They've also played well against good teams. But, uh, you know, we saw this last week, Jameis Winston put up, I think it was 382 yards. And uh, Mike Evans had a nice game. A.J. Green had a big game against them. There are certainly holes in this zone. Uh, Bobby, I, I keep coming back to, you know, you brought up earlier in the year that you didn't think Josh Norman was as good as everyone thought and that he was just a product of the system. And again, uh, with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, it's a very good system that the Bills are running. Very disciplined play, and that's a big thing. Obviously, guys are where they're supposed to be in a well-schemed zone defense. Uh, with that said, that leaves holes in a zone. So what are our thoughts on Amari and Crabtree this next week? Obviously, they'll be interested in Amari after he... Uh, absolutely torched the Chiefs in prime time. Uh, Grant, I'll go to you first on this one. What are your thoughts on these guys? I, I, I don't really want to yep. go with. That's kind of that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm fine with Crabtree. That's not a terrible play. I don't. I think there's other guys I would rather go with around that price range. But uh, Cooper, I just I have a feeling that he's a lot like Braylon Edwards was like. He had just shot. That's such a ridiculous overstatement. He is so much. He's so much better than Braylon Edwards ever dreamed. Of. Okay, Braylon Edwards ever put up one of the best. College. Let me look up this. Um, but we'll we'll get away from that for a second. Um, Cooper, he drops a lot of balls. He has all the talent in the world in terms of physical attributes. He's tall. He's strong. He can go real fast. Um, but this Bills defense, like. They are good. I think that they are pretty, pretty darn good here. Um, and one thing that they don't do a whole lot, which kind of prevents other opposing teams from getting a lot of points, is they don't really turn the ball a lot over a lot, and they run the ball quite a bit, which really limits what the other team can do because it's running out um, a lot of clock and not really giving them great field position all the time. So I think all those put together and the fact that Amari had 19 targets this last game People are going to be on him, even at 6,600, which I don't want to pay that much for. So I'm entirely staying away from him, and I'll probably stay away from Crabtree and Carr for the most part. So, yeah, I think did I get my point across. I'm not even sure. Yeah, and the 19 targets, I think, is a key point because it sounds silly to cut a 47-point game in half, right? But 19 targets is obviously an outlier, and, and what if we want to say, yeah, he's going to get targeted a lot, and if you say a lot, you're still saying what eight, nine, ten targets. So if you cut his targets in half, and then obviously this is rudimentary, but then you cut the production in half, you know you're looking at a 23 point game, which is great, but not something that you have to have in order to win. Uh, one final point on that, surprisingly, and I did not know this off the top of my head, uh, but Buffalo is allowing the seventh most opponent plays per game. So in spite of their run heavy. Uh, approach they are actually allowing a lot of opponent plays so that took me by surprise as well but 
so that might not be an issue. Oakland is playing at the, I think, second slowest pace in the NFL. So these are two slow-paced teams. Um, there are definitely drawbacks. Bobby, what are your thoughts on Braylon Edwards 2.0 and Michael Crabtree? Yeah, well, you paraphrased me by saying, I, I, I never, I said Josh Norman is not elite. He's nowhere where everybody has him. I never said he wasn't good, and I didn't say he was just a product. I said him being so elite was a product of the situation, the defense, the scheme, the system, all that stuff. Um, anyway, but on to, what, what were we talking about again? Like, now I'm actually just. <laughs> You guys are like protecting your reputation on all sides. Uh, I, just, I just, you know, I want to correct that paraphrasing because it can get a little misleading. That's fair. That's fair. So what were we? What were we on again? Which the Buffalo and and okay. So Cooper is. I I did a Twitter poll, and the funny part is a lot of people wrote back to me like the, that I respect who understand who are really good at both fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports, and understand football well. And the bet was how many would Crabtree have, how many 100-yard uh, games would he have the rest of the season? And it was two weeks ago. And I wrote between one, zero, one, two, three, and zero, one, zero, no, one, two, three, or four. And everybody, they, they were all writing me saying, why isn't it five or six? Like, so I'm saying you're expecting him to get a 100-yard game and half the, half the game is left. Uh, I'm not saying that they're all right, but I tend to lean more their way than I do your guys here. Are we like? I think we're going to talk about certain other spots for guys in this price range, and I can explain how this guy is such a better play. But I don't want to, you know, give away the next segments. Um, I just think that like Cooper is totally worth it this week. He could either he could crush you if you don't take, if you're not taking part in it. He's going to get a ton of targets. This Buffalo defense, as as good as they might be up front, I don't think that they're that good on the back end, and they haven't been. So I'm going to trust Cooper and Crabtree. I'll play both of them a little bit. I have no problem with going with Cooper, with the ownership, what it will be on Cooper. I don't think it's going to be, like, absolutely absurd. I think it'll be high, but I'm, uh, I think it's a great spot, and I expect him to have a big, you know, rest of the year. I definitely like betting on the talent. It's just, uh, it's concerning after, you know, the basically the things that Grant brought up, the drops and the other mental mistakes. I mean, you know what I said last week was, and I I called him one of the best values on the entire slate. Which I mean, it probably goes without saying, but given what he'd done throughout the season, felt like a bold statement at the time. And the the point was just, it's not like this guy forgot how to play football, and it's not like he's suddenly not talented. It's just something was wrong. Something was just not clicking, and it could change at any point. Um, one other note that may be. Uh, you know, it may matter, it may not, is just that Kansas City is one of the uh, man-heaviest pass coverage units in the NFL. Uh, Buffalo's one of the zone-heaviest, and I don't know that Amari's game was a product of the man coverage. Uh, that is why we love targeting wide receivers against the Chiefs, but the uh, just the fact that, you know, it is a completely different setup could change things. Um yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of where Grant's initial reaction was of just like uh, like I, I I think I like him a little bit more than you do, Grant, but I'm not as uh, heavy as you are, Bobby. It's just a, a tough spot for me to figure out, especially with a lot of other things to like. Speaking of other things to like, Kelvin. Wait, Braylon Edwards. Oh, here we go. Had his third season in the, his career had a better season than Mari Cooper will ever have, in all likelihood. Um, similar drop ball numbers, similar reception rates. Similar. Compare different offenses, different times. Like this is such a different thing. A quarterback's different times. This is like the the okay. pass heaviest time in NFL history. Back and 
Yeah, this is the past heaviest time. This is where it's easiest for wide receivers. This is such a better situation for Cooper With the back than it was for Brad Edwards. Brad Edwards where? Where, Grant? What? What were the numbers? What was so amazing about these numbers? Oh, I don't know. 1,300 yards receiving and 16 touchdowns? That's a lot of touchdowns. That's a really with good seven, uh Yeah, with 57 drops and uh, 55% uh, target to reception percentage. I would have which a lot of, definitely... A lot of these things are similar to Amari Cooper. I'm not saying it, he may figure things out. He's younger than Braylon Edwards was, I think, when he got into the league. But I'm saying I see a lot of similarities between these two. I would definitely have lost the trivia on what was Braylon Edwards' best career season. I would have. No, I love Braylon Edwards. I would have thought it was like nine eight nine eighty or something. Yeah, I would have pegged it at like seven hundred and nine touchdowns or something. He was he was good until he started getting pretty good until he started getting injured and dropping everything. Uh, all right. Well, I had a great segue into the next one, but <laughs> Sorry. you know, I. It was worth it to hijack it with uh, that incredible set of statistics on Braylon Edwards. Uh, speaking of other spots, uh, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches at the Buccaneers. They're both priced basically in the same place as Amari and Crabtree. I do. I wonder, I mean, everyone knows to pick on the Tampa Bay defense, right? I mean, Tyra Taylor was 48% owned in cash games last week, or at least in $25 double up, 48% owned, and I believe his three wide receivers have a combined uh, four legs. So, like, people know to attack Tampa, but the names Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper really jump out, and obviously Amari had his big game. I, I genuinely think we could see higher ownership on Amari than we see on Kelvin and Funches. Uh, Bobby, what are your thoughts on attacking Tampa Bay with Kelvin and Funches this week. I understand it, but I want to point out that we're talking about how Cooper has been so terrible this year and all this stuff, and he still is averaging more fantasy points per game than Kelvin Benjamin. So After he put up 45 this last week. Yeah, and there's no reason to think that that's – I mean, that we know he has that kind of upside. That's what I'm, and he won't get 19 targets again? Anyway, um, the guy I'm most interested in this game is, is uh, McCaffrey. I, I'm, I'm fine with uh, Benjamin. I get attacking them through the air. I, I will definitely have some shares of him. If it gets overloaded towards him, it depends. I probably would favor Cooper, but I'm close. Um, I'm not going to play Funches in this spot. I just, I think that Funches is a good receiver who's been in a, a product of uh, having a good quarterback, which could still benefit him in this spot. But I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to find myself going there quite as much. I do like Cam and McCaffrey and Benjamin to a certain point, but I'm probably not going for Funches. One thing that I think that the matchup is enormous – well, I don't think it's a think. The matchup is enormously better for Funches and Kelvin Benjamin. And the uh, you know the talent I don't think is a – well, Funches will leave him out. But the talent between Kelvin and – you know, Kelvin Benjamin's less talented than Amari and Crabtree. Or I should say he has it less you know fully put together, a less complete package. But he is still a really talented wide receiver. One thing is – uh, that kind of sours me on these guys a little bit is Funches and Kelvin Benjamin are not run-after-catch guys, whereas Amari can obviously make something happen with the ball in his hands a little bit better than these guys. But uh, I'm still leaning more toward these guys than the Raiders. Grant, what are your thoughts here? I, I would definitely prefer them over the Raiders um, just based on the matchup. Uh, I mean, I don't like either of them, and I don't like playing either of them, and 
I'd rather just pay up for Keenan Allen or yeah, I don't I, I, honestly looking at the slate uh, at the very beginning last week I uh, highlighted a whole bunch of low priced wide receivers and a whole bunch of tight ends this week I I haven't highlighted a single guy under 7k so it's kind of tough right now to figure out where exactly I should go I mean looking at the overview of this I would think that I would want to be on them but it's just tough to stomach rostering either of these guys on a week-by-week basis uh, but Cam he's a guy that he can turn on he can turn or he can do well in any given game this matchup's obviously great Winston's putting up a ton of yards on a weekend 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 week out basis so I have to think that they're going to score some points in this contest. I have to think that uh, they're going to get a lot of catches, or both of the wide receivers are going to get a lot of catches. I think 64% of the overall targets um, of teams going against Carolina go to the wide receivers. They kind of limit the tight end, and they do a decent job against the running back. So a lot of it's forced to wide receivers. So I, I didn't really want to focus on these guys, but I may have to have a decent amount of ownership on them considering what else I have to work with. Although, now looking at T.Y. Hilton at 5,600 sounds a whole lot better to me. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton's always... Uh, T.Y. Hilton's priced 100 more than Nelson Aguilar. T.Y. Hilton's always a little tough on the road. But Nelson Aguilar has averaged more points this season than Amari Cooper. <laughs> uh, I mean, T.Y. <laughs> you guys have gotten really testy with each other lately. Um, you guys need another... <laughs> You guys need another road trip to Defense? hash things out or something. <laughs> we'll see all each other at the Rotor Grinders party. Um, are you guys going to that? Yeah, yeah, are you? Yeah, I will be there. Awesome. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. Can I ask something about the Tampa Bay like defense that we're talking Why, Grant, why would you for a second say that they're pretty good at limiting running backs? Like, that's who you want against. This is McCaffrey's breakout spot. They're decent. I mean, not at limiting running backs, at focusing targets away from running backs and tight ends. I think. Let's see exactly what it is. Um, Talking about just targets alone, but there's a lot more to it than that. We saw Shady have a big game against them this last week. We saw what. Yeah, Shady gets seven targets every single week. I'm not saying that the running backs can't do something. I'm saying that. Them up the week before that. I'm just saying this is a defense that's had two games against running backs where they've actually looked good, and that was the Giants and. With one exception, they've been the worst running team in football other than... I in no way said that they are great at the, against the running backs. I'm saying that they folk, they filter a lot of the targets over to the wide receivers. That gives them a little bit of a bump. Our uh, listenership... Is that a word? Our listenership is just soaring every time that you guys have a little mini battle royale. And I'm actually being serious because I imagine that people love it. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Uh... We're going to move on to it's – t- it's tough to figure out this Bears defense. Uh, DVOA is not the the be-all and end-all of what we're looking at. But the Bears defense is middle of the pack in DVOA. But they're also pretty good. They're allowing 3.8 yards a carry, which is pretty good. They uh, are not allowing deep passes. They've done a good job against number one receivers – they're playing the Saints at the Superdome. So my first thought was load up on the Saints because it's the Saints at home. My second thought was, well, we have all these other – I mean, Kirk Cousins against Dallas has a bad pass defense. Uh, Philadelphia against San Francisco. The Chargers against New England. 
A.J. Green against the Colts. I mean, why load up on the Saints in a tougher matchup was kind of my second thought. And my third thoughts, I have no idea what to do here. Um, you know, is is Cam Newton inconsistent and sometimes just really bad, and that's why the Bears' defense looks so good? Is the Bears' defense actually really good? Um, Grant, what are your thoughts on how we attack with the Saints this week? And obviously, if you're putting in a bunch of teams – you put in some Saints players, but if you're like if we're talking high dollar tournaments or limited entry stuff, uh, how interested are you in the Saints at home against the Bears? I mean, I have a good amount of interest. I mean, Cam, like I said, he's someone who can do great or terrible at any given time. I'm not really giving a huge amount of credence this game last week, especially considering they only gave up three points, but they also had what two 75 yard pick sixes, and I think they had one or two other turnovers during the game. I mean, I watched that game. And Cam just looked absolutely terrible. It wasn't as much the Bears' defense doing great, although they did play well. I mean, this is a defense that just two weeks ago gave up 24 points to the Baltimore Ravens, who may be the worst offense in the entire NFL, in my opinion, but I also hate them. Uh, they they can give up points in, at any given time. I mean, I mean, you look at their DVOA stats. Let me look at them, actually. Uh, they're 29th against wide receiver one. They're middle of the pack everywhere else. They're middle of the pack pa- against the pass and rush. Um, there's nothing really outstanding about them. So saying that you can't or targeting Drew Brees against them, it's just as good as it was a few weeks ago with Detroit going up against Detroit, who has a decent defense. They just and they gave up 50 points. Although that was a weird situation. I think you can target against them. I think you can use any of the players there. I'm fine with it. I'm just not going to go overboard trying to go out of my way as if it was a great matchup because also they're nine-point underdogs. If they're go- if they're ahead by a lot, then or if New Orleans is ahead by a lot, then I don't imagine them putting up a whole lot more points, and I don't imagine Chicago being able to really come back. I mean, I think this is a Mark Ingram spot if it's anything. Yeah, you make a good point about that matchup against Detroit. One thing that's weird about the Bears, another you know, playing off another point you just made, is uh, I have a buddy who lives in Chicago, and he and I talk about this seemingly every week. Is how disinterested John Fox is in winning games when he when his team falls behind. Um, there, they really don't change up their offense at all. Even when they fall behind, they will. I mean, I guess so. That's extreme when we've seen what Trubisky had seven passes this last week. So yeah, if they fall behind, he'll have more than seven passes. But when Glennon was back there, uh, he was throwing the same amount when they were trailing by a bunch or when they were ahead. And if you watch the bears games, they'll still take 25 to 30 seconds between each play before snapping the ball when they're down multiple touchdowns. And then they'll run on second and long. It's, it's this, like they'd rather, I liken it to if you're in second place in a qualifier and you know that the guy ahead of you has the same player, and the only way you can win is by taking a suboptimal play. And some people, you know, maybe 2% of the population would still keep the same player as the guy above them just so that the optics are better. So they finish second place in the qualifier rather than taking the suboptimal play. It's a long way of saying that's what John Fox basically does when his team falls behind. He doesn't try to win. He tries to keep the score close. So they will continue to grind out the clock even if they're down a bunch. Um, I think I'm on board with this from a matchup perspective in the same way that, uh, you know, we'll say, well, we're, we're still targeting the Patriots against the Chargers, even if they have a good defense. Yeah, you're still targeting the Saints at home against what may or may not be a good defense because it's Drew Brees at home. Uh, I think that the other side of that, of this game being shortened, 
is probably what concerns me a little bit more. Bobby, what are your thoughts on this spot? I don't know about this game being shortened. I want to point out that we might be talking about two of the better actual real-life defenses in football. And there are, the offense being so inept and the, def, the offense being so terrific are the reasons why their defenses aren't don't even show as being better. Grant tried to mention the game against Baltimore as if their defense struggled. Their defense dominated that game. They absolutely dominated. They gave up 291 total yards. They haven't, like... They haven't given up a game of 200 yards. They gave up one game of 200 yards passing since week one against Atlanta. That one was 308, and it was 212 to Pittsburgh. I mean, they, look at the first three teams they played on their schedule, the first four teams they played on their schedule, and when it lightens up a little bit, it's – I'm not saying that it's lightened up. I'm just saying I don't think you need to go to this game. I think I actually am interested in New Orleans' defense, by the way, speaking of really, really underrated defense. It's one of the best defenses in the NFL since the second week of the season. Um, I think that they're – this is like – a stay away spot for me even though yes it's new orleans at home but that happens every you know eight times a year we don't need to just go out of our way to target against the bears defense that in real life has been really good uh you almost fully convinced me with Two that things. um yeah and, and that's the that's the other side is just that there's a lot to like on the slate so why go to a potentially suboptimal spot and and then the other side of that argument is typically well ownership will be low but that's not the case with the Saints. The Saints are always going to draw a decent chunk of ownership when they're at home. Um, Grant, do you have any counterpoints to make on what Bobby brought up? I think they had 310 total yards of offense in that game, but also that's, I'm pretty sure, by far the most. What team had. were you talking about? Uh, the Grant. Ravens. Still, I mean, 310 is still as bad as 290. The Ravens had 291 total yards of offense. That's more than I think they've had against any other team all season. They had 166 yards passing. I'm not really confused at like why that's some like they were playing from behind. They also in that game threw two picks, were sacked three times. They scored a defensive touchdown. Like this, is, they had a fumble recovery. Like they turned the ball over three times. I mean, this is guys. We've had so many arguments that uh, bold calls are going to be awesome this week. Yeah, they are. Right, and nine's not going to have anything to do with what we've said. I feel like we should all pick a defense this week. Oh. <laughs> like. A cheap defense. But I well, that would have worked out great for me last week. Although Bobby would have been on the same one. Uh, all right. Uh, but back to my original point. I was going to say John Fox started playing like that when he had Tim Tebow, and he just never stopped. That's the reason why. That is fair. Uh, all right. So we have uh, like about fifteen minutes left if we are going to get out of here on time, which is always a hit or miss proposition. But we're gonna kind of rapid fire on these last. Three and so these are three players that um, I want to. I mean, we can't take price completely out of the equation, but basically the question I'm I'm going to use the term must play. But what the real question is is are these guys priority plays for you? Are these guys this week that you are going to be looking for a way to fit onto your roster? Um, the first and, and obviously this comes with the disclaimer. This is Monday night. We are recording this. We have a full week of prep ahead. Listeners don't get upset or offended if we don't have these guys on our teams. But what are our thoughts? Start of the week, and I'll kick off the first one. Uh, Is A.J. Green a must-play against the Colts? Uh, My answer is yes. The Colts have had one of the worst secondaries in football this year. A.J. Green, uh, I believe, still ranks second in percentage share of team air yards behind only Antonio Brown. He may actually still rank ahead of him. He's top two or three in the NFL in targets per game. Basically, everything points to this team 
constantly trying to get the ball into his hands. The Colts are actually really good against the run, as we saw with Chris Ivory uh, and as we've seen in the numbers, and obviously really bad against the pass. So I think this is a great week to make A.J. Green a priority play. Bobby, what do you think on A.J. Green? I, I, I prefer Julio uh, this week to A.J. Green. I don't like the potential game flow. I'm very interested in this being a, a breakout game for Mixon. I think you're going to see two rookies have really monster breakout games. McCaffrey's already been good, but I think you're going to see mass, massive games for Mixon and McCaffrey this week. So it doesn't mean you can't play both of these guys. Uh, I just am finding myself more drawn to Mixon in early on in the week. I'm worried about how much they're going to be throwing if they're up you know, three scores and they can dominate the game defensively and on the ground, which I think they'll be able to do. So that's why I don't think it's a must-play. Factor that with the ownership. Julio Jones gets less ownership. Julio Jones is, in my opinion, the much better overall play in a game that actually has a chance to you know, be more competitive, in my opinion. I think there's a good chance Cincinnati dominates this game and wins it just handily on the ground and with their team. Grant, what are your thoughts on A.J. Green against the Colts? Yeah, no, I agree with Bobby. We agree on something, hey. Bobby. Um, I don't agree about Julio Jones. I wouldn't rather have him because I'd rather have Mike Evans. Um, but, yeah, this game's not gonna supposed to not be close. Um, I see them running a lot. I They're... Didn't do they still have their number one? They still their number one cornerbacks uh, healthy again, right? Indeed, why can't I remember? Them? Monte Davis, he's yeah, done. but Monte Davis is he's done. Awful. He's not great, but and he has he wasn't good last year, and people are still talking about well, this year. We're still talking about when Monte Davis comes back. I mean, this guy's been getting burned routinely. I mean, like, Indy's twentieth in DVOA against the wide receiver one. Like they're bad, but they're not the worst in the NFL. Like you don't have to go here with the number one priced wide receiver on the entire slate um, when there's guys, Mike Evans at 7,900, Michael Thomas at 7,600, uh, Des Bryant with probably not going up against Josh Norman, 7,700, Keenan Allen, 7,300. Pricing's getting tight, so saying that a guy that heavily priced is a must play when there's running backs that are great that are heavily priced on the slate, I won't have much ownership in A.J. Green. All right, so we may have found our bold calls, too, with Julio and Mike Evans and A.J. Green. I'm definitely on the A.J. Green train this week. Uh, This next one I imagine we'll all agree on. Again, not saying that you'll be able to fit this guy, but uh, if you're able to, is this a priority play for you this week? Grant, I'll go to you first on this one. LaShawn McCoy at home against Oakland. I mean, why wouldn't I rather go with Zeke? So is that your answer? Um, no, he's not a must-play. I mean, he's finally got on the right side of variance with touchdowns this week and going in for two um, because of what he did last week. I mean, I guess people are just going to be as heavily on Zeke without Le'Veon Bell being on the main slate. I don't know. This is a touch one, tough one. He's not a must-play, but he's definitely a good play this week. I mean, they're six-point favorite. They'll be running the ball with him like they do every single week. Um, he's a good play. I don't think he's a must-play, though. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean... I guess Zeke has a little... I haven't looked at the matchups as heavily as I should have. I mean, yeah, if you look at all the numbers... All right, yeah, he's a, close to a must-play this week if it weren't for ownership. Darn it, you convinced me. Yeah, I mean, Zeke Zeke McCoy and Melvin Gordon could all have a case made for them as the top guy in that price range. I Melvin Gordon. Um, what did you say? You would take Melvin Gordon? No, I hate him. Okay. I hate him this last week. Um... <laughs> I actually had uh, I roster construction this last week that I was I could have made it up to that's why I ended up with Russ Wilson on my main team, and if I went down to Bethard 
or Kaiser. Thank goodness I didn't do Kaiser. Uh, if I made it down to Bethard or Kaiser, I could have made it up from LaShawn McCoy to Ezekiel Elliott. And I asked myself the same question I asked a couple weeks ago with Melvin Gordon and Carlos Hyde, which I got horribly wrong. But that is, if these guys were the same price, which one would I take? And I felt like the answer in week seven was still LaShawn McCoy, so I stuck with the better quarterback in Russ. Obviously, it didn't work out uh, because Zeke had a monster game. Um, I guess it, it worked out total because Russ outscored the other two by quite a bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that now that we see them at the same price, that brings that question heavily into play is which one's actually the better play this week. Uh, Bobby, what do you think on LaShawn McCoy? Um, I am... I think he's a good play. I don't. I'm not going to probably pay up at running back this week. I'm going to try and go a little different. I think people are going to overpay for these running backs for the spots they're in. And I like to pay up for Le'Veon usually. And not, I did. I've had some Le'Veon in, you know, uh, lineups uh, with what's uh, Elliott. But I think this week I'm not as. I don't think you need to play. I don't think these guys. Yeah, they're probably going to be the top three. But I like some of the guys on the cheaper side. I mentioned Mixon. I mentioned McCaffrey. So. I'm actually finding my like construction a little bit different. I'm paying up a little bit more at receiver uh, for a change. And I just don't feel like there are any of them are in these guaranteed sure spots. There's actually a lot of really interesting spots that I just don't think people are going to be all over. So I'm sort of finding myself elsewhere a little bit. All right. Last one is Alshon Jeffrey against San Francisco. And San Francisco is coming into this last week. They had, I believe, three of the bottom 13 corners uh, for pro football focus ratings out of 113 corners. Uh, so their top three were all out of the top 100. Alshon Jeffrey faced off with Washington's good secondary in week one, then had 22 points against Kansas City. Then was shadowed by Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson and Patrick Peterson, then Carolina. Now Washington again. Um the targets have been there this year. Is Alshon a lost cause, or is he a guy at 6,700 that we feel is just an excellent play in an excellent spot against San Francisco? Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts on Alshon? I mean, Alshon Jeffrey reminds me of Braylon Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think he's a... He doesn't drop balls as much. He doesn't. Huh? He doesn't drop the ball as much. No, no, no one but Cooper does that. Um, uh, Jeffrey, I think... He's a good play, but, I mean, it's the same problem that I have with A.J. Green. They're 11.5-point favorite. Um, the San Francisco defense, they could give up a bunch on the, to the running game. I mean, just look at what Zeke did to them last week, although Dez actually, I think, had a lot of balls thrown his way from what I remember from the game. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a good play. I don't know if he's the greatest play in the world because I'd rather go up like I said earlier, to Keenan Allen at 7,300 or go down to T.Y. Hilton at 5,600. I don't think he's a must play. He's definitely a good play going up against this team, but he hasn't really shown it this entire season, which may keep his ownership down. I think I'd give him about a 7 out of 10 in this spot. Put a number on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen at 7,300 is, is just tremendous, but... Uh, Alshon, I mean, yeah, the, the targets have tapered off a little bit. It went 7, then 13, 8, which you love all those. Uh, then it dropped down to 6 and 4 before going up to 10, and then back down to 6 this week. So the targets have been all over the map. Obviously, Ertz is the apple of Carson Wentz's eye. So but, to mention uh, this spot, um, I think San Francisco allows the least amount of targets in the league to the tight end. That is accurate. And, and I think they're top. Yeah. I think they're top three in targets to wide receivers as well. Um, 
I'm guessing you could check that. Bobby, what are your thoughts on on Alshon? Why are we at this point on Alshon season? If we're going to talk about Crab uh, Cooper being whatever, um, why aren't we just saying like, why don't we look for a guy who actually produces on the same team, like Aguilar, <laughs> or you know what I mean? He's actually much more productive, and he's he's actually do, he's having a better season right now than Alshon. Because he's priced the same as Ty. No, no, I'm not going to play. Yeah, I mean, but if but I'm saying that's if how we look in the scope, that's how. It's if we look in the scope of the matchups to date like what if we say why has Alshon Jeffrey had a bad season to date as opposed to just saying he's had a bad season to date we see a clear path of you know every one of those almost every one of those games we would have predicted a poor game for him I mean no there's a fair point there but like it's not like uh well Carolina I mean it's not like he had a big game even with those 10 targets it's it's anyway I don't, I don't think that I actually I've always been an Alshon guy I think that it's probably a fine spot but I like the other guys around him more, and I think there's more upside there. And if the ownership's going to flock to him, like, why? Like, why are we going to jump on a guy who has had one week all season? I don't – I mean, I think ownership's going to be minuscule okay, on him. So, uh, he's priced yeah, right there yeah. with – right there with Amari, right there with Kelvin Benjamin, right there with Crabtree, right there with Garcon. I mean, all these guys are going to draw more ownership than Alshon that, that, No, that, I mean, that, then you have a, an argument, yes, that he's in a good spot. I don't mind taking him there. But it's another game I expect Philadelphia to be able to dominate and control. I think they're a really, really good team. And the game script may not lead to him having that much more than a half worth of play to save for it because they might be able to control the game on the ground and with their defense again. So, I... Guys, San Francisco is going to get the first win of the season this week. Okay, Grant, you got to bet. All right, give me 100 to 1 odds. I think that's about it. No, I'm not going to give you 100 to 1 odds. (laughs) Oh man! So our rapid fire turned into like twelve minutes. Uh, Grant, give us. A, do you have a condensed love at first sight story, oh. and what game is standing out to you at the front end of the week? I I don't I I actually completely forgot. Love Grant, first, so. Grant, what game is standing out to you at the front end of the week? <laughs> um, I mean, Chargers, New England. I love the Chargers. I love three to four spots on the Chargers. I like New England. Not as a team. Don't like them, any of them as a person, except for except for Edelman, so, or any of their fans. Um, no, I mean a surprising amount of my my good friends are Patriots fans, but you know they're all just bandwagoners, like like this JM guy I know. <laughs> I used to be a New England fan when I first started watching football. Like at, at that first year I watched football, I didn't even know they won the Super Bowl the year before. I'm like, man, I really like this New England team. I think I had Brady as my fantasy quarterback. And, like, just absolutely loved them. And then after about a year, I'm like, no, I don't like these guys. Bill Belichick's kind of a dick. And then I, I realized that. Dude, if you've been watching football earlier than that, you probably would have been a Drew Bledsoe fan because he's from Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah, my mom went to high school with him. Did she really? I believe so. Was it my I mom stole my his dad? powers one time. You stole his powers? Yeah, I was telling my dad this story today. I shook his hand at the airport one time when I was a kid, and then he had a really bad year the rest of the year. And then I shook his hand again at Patriots training camp the next year, and he had a great season that year. So I think it was a Space Jam situation. Ah. And I, I took and I and I did punt, pass, and kick that year, and finished third in New England and got free tickets to the Patriots game. So I think I took all of Bledsoe's powers. That makes sense. Just for, like, I borrowed them for a couple months. Oh, love it for uh, sight. I got cut in line at the airport by Sofia Vergara once. and Did you really? Yeah. I fell in love with the lady behind me who was getting really angry that she got <laughs> cut in line. And then we realized it was Sofia Vergara. 
And she still remained angry because she's like, so what? I mean, I, I it's, it's still, I mean, I, I understand it. She was getting like a whole bunch of photos taken of her. She ran up the escalator and she gets right in front of me and me and the chick behind me are both like, who the fudge is this person to think she is? And then we realized who she was. Grant has all the fun. Bobby, what game is standing out to you at the front end of the week? Carolina and Tampa Bay. Um, I really like this spot for Cam and Carolina's side of it. I think McCaffrey's going to have a monster game, like I mentioned earlier. But they're not as good as Cooper. What's the deal with Luke Keekley? Is he going to play? I'm assuming he's going to be fine this week. Uh, it was a concussion, right? So, I mean, I, I don't think we have Hasn't he had a few in the past? Am I remembering that right? What's yeah, that? actually, he had one last year or two years ago that he missed, like, several weeks. So Yeah. yeah they get, they've been absolutely lit up um, by tight ends and running backs when he's been out. And it's a really good spot for, I feel like, McCaffrey. Um, I feel like maybe even, I don't, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, for McCaffrey on the other side, but for Brait on the other, on Tampa Bay's side. Oh, gosh, yes. I think he's my favorite play, like uh, my favorite tight end of the week. And I, I like the whole game. I really feel like you could stack it every which way. I like the offenses on both sides. I think it's going to be one of the highest scoring games of the week, maybe the highest scoring game of the week. And I feel like you can sort of figure out where the – action is going to go. I think you're going to see a lot of Cam, a lot of McCaffrey, and those receivers you mentioned are fine, and I'll probably play a little bit of Benjamin with them, but um, I think that you can go other ways and just play Cam with McCaffrey uh, and play Braid on the other side or D-Jax or even uh, Evans. So I really like that game. Yeah, I like Cam a lot this week. And then uh, for me, Dallas at Washington. Um, division games are always a little muddy. It's something that people really overlook in setting DFS lineups. Division games have a tendency to be lower scoring. The teams know each other well, but um, Dallas's defense is pretty bad. Kirk Cousins has been excellent this year. Uh, it's tough to figure out who to pair him with because he spreads the ball around so much, but I like Kirk Cousins and I like several of the pieces on Dallas. I think this is a good game, a game that could end up seeing you know 50 combined points. Wouldn't surprise me. I think we can get some DFS goodness out of this one. Uh, bold calls and incredibly because we're so talented we are basically a back on time by rushing through love at first sight uh, bold calls do we want to do those top three receivers or we want to come up with something else uh, the guy I was originally going to go with is apparently not on the main slate darn stupid silly low amount of games main slate so I'm fine with that or I'll take Bray I like Bray I would Put Bobby, how do you feel about? I know that's the Bobby. How do you feel about AJ Green versus Julio Jones versus Mike Evans? I'm, all, that. I'm totally into it. Feel like they... all right. So I have officially locked in not losing back to back weeks. So that feels good. You really think? That... Oh gosh, you are so wrong. <laughs> ah, Mike Evans is going to be the loser of this one, but I think Julio. Jones... Oh, not even close. It's it's Julio Jones. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Should we like, up the stakes not on this? bold calls. We're all like, it's all good plays, but it's it's something that is apparently pretty contentious, and I like it. Uh, what, Wait, how oh, would God, we up God. the stakes? I don't know. I was thinking something since it's yeah, Halloween, um, passing out candy and uh, make make Bobby wear. I don't know. Make Bobby wear an Astros jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoever loses has to wear an Astros jersey like, next week. I like the Astros. That's what kind of sucks about this. Um, all right, we could basically Grant, your friend could come up with the tweet, and we could have only one option. 
Oh gosh, this is oh, this is not gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about that. We'll see who loses and then decide. Um, before the game starts, I will have him text me one terrible tr- tweet, and I will send it out to both of you guys. I like and we that. will decide before it starts. Before the game. I starts. like it a lot. Uh, the only tough thing about that is a bad tweet for Bobby and me is very different from a bad tweet for you. Yeah, that's a good point. I ain't got no shame. Uh, tell me, it has to be something that you would hate to tweet. If it's something you would hate to tweet, I'm sure Bobby and I would as well. I mean, I'll send it over. I'll, I'll give him the parameters. We'll see what we have. Uh, all right, Bobby, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, good luck to everyone. Uh, hopefully it's a better week for myself. I think I'm going to play a little bit bigger, so... Good luck to myself and to everyone else, and thanks a lot for listening. Grant, final thoughts. Whoever injured my hip and groin this weekend, I'm coming for you. Fair enough. <laughs> Listeners, watch out. Uh, thanks for hanging out. As always, a pleasure. We will be back here next week, same time, same place, uh, for... Bobby Fi and Genie for 07. I'm Jam to Win. And see you next week. See you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. See you, kids.